Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 302 of your Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Balance is Key, an interview with Rosmiles Estrella. My name is Richard Johansson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Folks, this is a really interesting interview with a young lady who is a fitness professional, and she gained her passion for fitness and nutrition as a result of being an Uber mom who has a child with a disability that requires her to be very careful with her diet and very careful with her exercise in order to be healthy. And one of the things that happened with Rose in this journey of hers was that she actually became a little too extreme in using exercise more for appearance than for serving her and the way that she feels. And at the same time she was engaging in that exercise passion, she moved from a city to a rural community that was a tick endemic community. And she got bitten by a tick. And this combination of her increasing the threat of getting Lyme disease by moving into a tick endemic community and her making herself vulnerable as a result of not just the stresses of moving, but the physical stresses of engaging in hit exercise, put her in a position where she became chronically ill pretty quickly after she was bitten by a, a tick. So folks, this is an example of what's happening all over the world, but it has a compressed timeline. And I think it's a really valuable podcast. And we're really excited to introduce to you, Balance is Key. Hello, Rose, and welcome to the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. Hello. So we're really excited to have you on the podcast for a lot of different reasons. And I should share with our listeners that you and I have a lot in common. Uh, we both have uh, connections to the Bronx. Uh, you spent most of your childhood in the Bronx. And uh, and um, I was born in the Bronx. And uh, we also have connections to the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and in fact, the community that you're now living in, which is uh, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. So talk to folks about what your journey was like in Pennsylvania. Where were you born? And what was it like to grow up in the Bronx, New York? Um, yes, I was born in the Dominican Republic, and then I uh, came to the Bronx when I was 11 years old, and um, I grew up in there with my parents. I went to school, college, and um, everything in there, and then when I got married, um, I still live in the Bronx for a few more years, and then recently, four years ago, my husband uh, bought a house here in the PA, Strasburg area. Um, to me, since I was from the Dominican Republic, um, moving to Strasburg wasn't like a big change because um, I'm not a city person. Like I never liked the noise of the Bronx. Like I didn't like the city stuff. So like when I moved over here for me, it wasn't like a big change. It was like, I feel like I always belong here because I love nature. And it's, you know, later we're going to talk about how, like, you love nature, but then you are now kind of afraid of nature. So it was, like, very traumatic. But, yes, like, I love how quiet it is, how you wake up and you only hear the birds. And um, I just I just love it here. Well, congratulations, and I'm happy you finally found a place where you're you have the kind of environment that uh, is causing you to be healthy and happy. But there is uh, there is a little but to that story, but we'll get there in a minute. So talk to us about what it was like to grow up in the Dominican Republic. What was the DR like during your childhood? Uh, it was the, the best so much that I always pray to God that I get to like move back there before I go to heaven <laughs> because it, it would just like, perfect you know I don't remember 
any trauma as a child, like any sad stuff. It was just like so perfect. You grew up in your back jar, you play with mud, you have animals, you know, nature, river. Like where I'm from, we have like a lot of, um, it's very touristic there. So we have like a lot of beaches, like so beautiful, the river, like everything's so close by. You don't have to like drive long hours. So uh, trees like mango, avocado. I love avocado. So I would just go in the back and get like avocado, mango, um, fresh, you know, things. And that's what I want to do. Like move back and have a farm and like grow my own things. <laughs> so, so Rose, you had this, this very, uh, it was almost like a paradise uh, existence when you were living in the Dominican Republic. And I'm wondering whether or not part of that paradise was uh, was baseball. Baseball is uh, is one of the most um, most um, powerful exports from the Dominican Republic. So was baseball a big part of your life? Uh, so actually, I remember uh, when. I don't know if you know about like Las Aguilas y Baenas, like this this big thing, like in the Dominican Republic, when they play like the people from the capital and the people from like the countryside. So I remember like my grandma would used to put us and, and tell us like, oh, you are from this side. And we would just be like, ah, yeah, okay. But not, not, I like, it wasn't like something, you know, like <laughs> that I <laughs> enjoy or love. But I have cousins and brothers that they actually play baseball and they really like. <laughs> so uh, now I'll stop teasing you about baseball a little bit and now talk to you about what it was like to be a child in the Dominican Republic and spending so much time out in nature. Were there any, were there any uh, dangers that you had to be aware of? Were you concerned about snakes? Were you concerned about any types of animals? And I guess most importantly, were you concerned about ticks when you were a child in the Dominican Republic? Actually, no, there were no such things as being concerned about anything over there. Uh, oh, only one thing, tarantulas. Oh, okay. so, yeah. <laughs> so, so tarantulas were a problem for you. So that you had these big spiders that you were concerned about, right? And, um, and uh, so you were generally aware of tarantulas. But other than that, as a child in the Dominican Republic, where you were living in paradise and taking mangoes off the tree and, uh, and, and, and living in close proximity to the beach. Um, you just had nothing to worry about. Yes, nothing, actually. I mean, we grew up with mosquito biting us, so that wasn't anything either. And you said ticks. There was no such things as ticks as, of, as far as I, you know, can remember. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk about immigrating to uh, the U.S. And, uh, and ultimately moving to the borough of the Bronx, uh, the only borough in New York City that begins with the. Uh, what was it like for you to go from, from uh, living in this very, you know, very uh, uh, natural environment to now living in sort of a concrete jungle? Um, yes. Well, it was... I don't know. I, I I I had my moments where I became like a different type of person, like more quiet, not as 
happy. Um, like you said, you know, all of a sudden coming into the cold. This, I remember when I came, we had there was a big, huge um, snowstorm where we actually had a, a like an accident in the airplane. I just remember people screaming and 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 it was yeah really bad and we had to actually land on another airplane like emergency and we when we landed we had to like it wasn't like you know when you go through a, a cabin like to go inside this one we had to step outside in the snow it was like very traumatic and then you know to come here like you said just to live in like four walls it was big huge difference but you know I guess we all get you know accustomed to things so I got used to it you know then I started going to school taking the yellow bus by myself <laughs> and things like that so Rose what what was the experience like when you came here to the U.S. and what did you start to dream and think about meaning what, what were your goals and what were your dreams when you were growing up in the Bronx? I always wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be a model and I wanted to be an actress. <laughs> so when I remember when I was in high school, um, I participated in like groups where we did acting things and modeling. Um, yeah, and that was my dream. All right, so then, so, Talk to us about um, what you what you majored in in college and what was your goal when you went to college? So, <clears throat> obviously, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So, I went to college in the business administration. And then I ended up working in a hospital as an administrative assistant. And I worked in the hospital for many, many, many years until the hospital closed. Then I went back to school for ultrasound technician. And I graduated from that. Then I was working as ultrasound tech. Then my third child, which is now 15, at that time, she was five years old. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And my world just flipped and changed for the good and for the bad because that's when I became like a health freak, holistic freak. Like, I cut, like my life changed totally. So she was five years old and she uh, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So I had to quit my job and take care of her because it was like, as soon as she wake up, I have to check her blood sugar. I have to inject her. I was preparing her meals, you know, taking her to school. Um, they would call me to, from school like a lot of times. So I couldn't keep, you know, working up. Thank God, you know, I had a husband who provided until now. And, you know, because I basically had to, you know, take care of her. Um, and that was one of the, you know, when we say uh, everything that turns the bad into good, um, that's what helped me to become healthier. Like I just, like you said before about reading a lot of books uh, online, I became 
read everything on diabetes, try so many things to look for a cure. Unfortunately, there's no cure for type one, but there's a lot of things you can do to keep her good and healthy, which I have. And I think that she has learned like now she also worked out, which, you know, she learned from me. Imagine if I didn't uh, went into this holistic, healthy journey, what was she going to learn? You know, but I taught her how to eat, how to stay active, how to stay healthy, you know, give her certain supplements for that. And thank God she's doing good. <laughs> so, Rose, I, I understand as a result of you now focusing on and dedicating your life to making sure that your daughter would be would be a healthy person, despite the type one diabetes that she was diagnosed with, that that ultimately developed into a passion for you and you became a personal trainer and a health and fitness coach. So talk about how that became a transformational moment for you professionally. Yes. So, yes. Because of her getting this, I just um, started learning a lot about health. And I just started going to the gym to work out, I guess, to get my mind off things. And it just became part of my life. Like, I just loved how I felt when I was working out and the benefits that was giving me. Uh, in my body too, like it was changing. Thing I had no health, uh, um, no health problems. I, I was, you know, very healthy. Um, and then I was like, um, I want to help people. Like, I want people to be healthy. Like, I just want people to be healthy, to feel good, to find cure to whatever they're going through and uh so I started doing my um I took NASM for a personal training license and um then I also met this girl at the gym who's now has a it's called AI 30 challenge and I am one of the coaches there and we teach especially women, we teach them how to have a healthy lifestyle. It's not like a diet for like a month or two because we know consistencies is what shows in the long run. So you cannot eat healthy for one day and work out for one day and then, oh, I'm healthy and that's it. No, you have to be consistent. So it's a group well, of women. We come together, we you know motivate them. We show them like how to have a lifestyle, like how to be happy with food and working out so they can become better and be there for their family in the long run. Because nowadays we know most of people die because of obesity and chronic diseases. And a lot of them can be avoided if you have a, a healthy lifestyle. So now let's uh, let's take the next step forward in your life and talk about your move out of the Bronx uh, in the concrete jungle into now a new uh, a new environment. Right. You, you, you were yearning for a life where uh, there was more peace and quiet, where you could be more in touch with nature. You wanted to find a place that was very much like what you remembered having grown up uh, with in the Dominican Republic and your family moves to Pennsylvania. Um, and I'm wondering before you made the decision to move to Pennsylvania, did you know that the state that has the greatest number of Lyme disease cases is the state of Pennsylvania? 
I had no idea. Uh, like I said, I, I didn't know what Lyme was. I never heard of Lyme disease before. You know, it's crazy. I had no idea of Lyme. I had no idea of ticks, nothing. But that's the next thing I'm going to talk to you about, because uh, although I was born in the Bronx, I, I moved out to Long Island as a young child. My family moved out to Long Island. And we were always aware of ticks. My entire life, I was aware of ticks. I'm wondering, as somebody who grew up in the Bronx, whether you were at least aware of ticks um, as part of uh, as part of either your educational experience or, or any of the cultural experiences that you had in the Bronx. No, I wasn't aware of ticks. I never heard anyone talk about ticks. Not like no ticks. Like I had. To Google that because I never even heard, you know, sometimes you probably say, oh, I heard, I heard about it. Like, but I, I didn't pay attention, but no, I, I didn't hear anything about it. Like ticks wasn't part of, yeah, I don't know. How, how were you aware of it? Like, well, because everybody was getting bitten by ticks during our childhood. I mean, it was, we, we had ticks on us all the time. We had ticks on our oh. dogs all the time. It was just a big part of, of, of what we knew about. It was, it was in the newspapers. Uh, I, I don't remember uh, receiving any educational information about it, either in, in, um, in high school or elementary school, or certainly not in college, which I, I didn't go to college on, on Long Island. But uh, yeah, it was, it was just a big part of our lives. We actually had a tick kit uh, that was right in our mudroom. We walked into our house and there was a tick kit on a shelf where we would be removing ticks from ourselves or from our dogs. So it was a big part of our lives. Um, oh. and, and, and I'm a bit older than you. So this predates even your childhood, Rose, in, in, uh, you know, when you moved to the Bronx. So, so now you moved to Pennsylvania, right? And you're back in paradise. And you now have this, um, this uh, experience where you can now enjoy nature and, and you have a, a less toxic environment, which of course is important to you, not only because you yearn to be back in touch with nature, because of your memories of a as a child in the Dominican Republic, but of course you now, you're now a mom, you have uh, several children, you have a child with diabetes who you're helping to manage her, her, her diabetes. So you want your whole family to have a more healthy environment to live in, right? Yes. But, and here's the big but, right? There were some, there were some dangers that uh, came along with moving to a more rural environment. And uh, were you aware of any dangers? You did share with us that you, you, did not any, you did not know anything about ticks and you did not know that Pennsylvania has the greatest number of Lyme disease cases in the US when you moved there four years ago. But were there any other dangers that you were concerned about when, when, you, know, when, you, when you were now going out and having your, your, your experiences out in nature and your children are now playing outside? Were there any concerns about anything that could happen in nature, whether it be bears or snakes or anything like that? Uh, yes, only bear. That was the only thing, you know, I would hear people say or say they were going to their backyard. But um, we moved like a very, it's, um, it's not so much like in the Poconos area, like in the mountains. We are more like near the city. So it's, we don't get bears. Okay. <laughs> so so you really didn't have any, you didn't have any concerns for your children when they were going out and playing in nature. You didn't have any concerns for yourself when you're now having this more natural experience. And instead of just going to the gym and, and uh, you can go out and run and you can go out and have, you could detoxify out in nature and you could, you could, you could go out and ground because you have a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of places where you could walk barefoot in the ground. So you're, you're having this much more 
um, toxic free environment for yourself and your husband and your and your children. And then one day you see a bullseye ring on your leg. So talk to us about that. Yes. Um, I also get deers in my backyard. All right. So when, <laughs> yes. uh, when, when you, when you're seeing all the deer in your backyard and, 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 and they're beautiful animals, I have them, I have them in my yard as well. I went running this morning and I saw a beautiful deer and a beautiful baby deer. And it was really a cool thing to see. But of course I look at them like, Oh no, you're bringing ticks into my backyard. Right? So when you were seeing all the deer in your yard, anybody say to you, Hey, we have a lot of deer. You got to be really careful because they bring ticks with them. Yes. Uh, no, I s had no idea still, you know, I seen the deers in my backyards and I just saw them like any, you know, I, I didn't see any, um, how do you say that word? That they were uh, uh, a threat? A threat to us, right? Yeah, I had no idea they carried ticks. I had, I just saw them, I'm like, oh, they're so beautiful. <laughs> Not knowing anything about it. So I have a big backyard. Um, I love gardening. I love gardening. So, I'm assuming this happened while I was out there, you know, in my garden doing things. Um, the funny thing is that I have never seen a tick. I have never seen a tick. Like not even in my backyard or around my house on us. Like I have never seen one. Even now, until now, I haven't seen ticks. Like I don't know where that came from, but... um. You know. So Rose, I, I think that's an important point for us to focus on for a minute, right? Because ticks yeah. are so small, they're very difficult to see, right? It's one of the reasons why uh, why they're, you know, they're so good at doing their job of, of yeah. crawling on us, biting us, sucking blood from us for days, and then leaving us, and, and we never know about it. In most cases, you know, with, with people who have Lyme disease, they never knew they were bitten by a tick. Why? Because, because they, are, um, they are a very sophisticated vector um, and very much like the tarantulas you were afraid of when you were in the Dominican Republic, they're in the same family, right? They're, 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 they're arachnids and they're in the same family. And they're very, very sophisticated at hiding and they're hard to see. And of course, as visual beings, human beings gather 70% of the information that we gather through our eyes, we are largely visual beings. And because they're so small and our vision is largely designed to see movement and ticks move so slowly, we wouldn't even pick them up. You wouldn't have even seen it, right? I mean, you wouldn't have even seen the tick and most people never do when, when they get sick. So that's no surprise, right? So you were not aware of a tick. You're out looking for ticks. You didn't check yourself for ticks. You're out in the yard. There are deer all over the place. Clearly ticks all over the place. Lyme disease all over Pennsylvania. Yes. And you now have uh, a uh, bullseye ring on your leg. And what do you do when you see the bullseye ring on your leg? So when I first saw it, um, it was like, it was, that part was red. It looks like something bit me. What came to my mind was, oh, it's a mosquito bite. And, you know, I was scratching and just put a lot of stuff, bentonite clay, um, charcoal, things to suck out the toxins. Although I didn't know what bit me, but, you know, as a holistic person, that's the things I will, you know, run to. Um, then it just, it, it wasn't going away. And, you know, the next day it was just still there and still there. And then they just started 
bigger and bigger and bigger and it was hurting to the touch and it felt warm to the touch. And um, I remember I was still wasn't, you know, like worry about it. Like, cause it takes a long time for me to go to the emergency room. <laughs> so my neighbors saw it and <clears throat> you know what I find like a little bit ironic is she had gotten bitten by ticks before, but she will see them and she would take them off. She would go to the doctor. They'll give her something. And she like, she never got lined. She's fine. But when she saw my mark, um, she said, oh, you should go to the emergency room. That looks like cellulitis. I'm like, oh, okay. She, she, yeah. she was like, yes, you should go to the emergency room and check it. I'm like, okay. So because of her, I went to the emergency room and that's what they told me too. In the emergency room, they said, oh, um, that's cellulitis, an infection of the skin. They gave me antibiotics for an infection of the skin, not Lyme. Um, and I was like, okay. I mean, me, again, not knowing anything about it, if I knew I would, you know, fight and do other things like no. But um, I left, I took the antibiotics. I followed up with my doctor because my leg became like more very dark, like as if, you know, I was gonna lose my legs or something like that. So I got very scared. So I, I went back to my doctor, followed up with him. And he was like, oh, <clears throat> just follow the ER um, direction. Like they said, it's just cellulitis. Just uh, finish your antibiotics, you'll be fine. I was like, are you sure? He was like, yes, don't worry, you're gonna be fine. I'm like, I was like, okay. So, so Rose, let's, let, me, let me ask you to pause there for a second. When, uh, when you went to the, the emergency room and they gave you antibiotics, do you know what type of antibiotics they gave you? And was it a cream or was it, was it uh, oral antibiotics that you were taking? Uh, it was oral antibiotics. I do not recall the name of those. It was syndactic cycling. Yeah, it was an antibiotic for an infection of the skin. Now, did they give you any cream to uh, to put on the skin? Meaning, the, uh, in many cases, what happens is when people have a, a rash, they'll, they'll be given a, a steroid-based cream. Did, did, did they give you any cream or anything like that to put on the uh, on the rash? No, they did not give me any cream, just the pills. Thank goodness. Okay. No steroids. We know that they're immunosuppressive, and that would have, of course, been a would have been bad if that had happened. So thank goodness you didn't. So... Okay, Rose, so now um, I, just, I just want to build out where you are from a fitness standpoint and from a health standpoint, because uh, although you've had, you, you, you've, you've had this challenge that you've had to deal with as a mother with your child being diagnosed by, with, with diabetes, type 1 diabetes, but that actually had a positive impact on you and your family because you're now living a very clean life, right? You're eating really cleanly, you're working out, 
you're, you're in a supportive environment where you're training other women and other women are supporting you. So you have a healthy community of people that you're interacting with. You're now living in a, in a uh, less toxic environment where you have a lot of clean air and fresh air and, and, and all kinds of opportunities. So Rose is really a very healthy person, right? But now when you get this bite, despite having this very healthy uh, and certainly less than vulnerable body, right? You're very healthy. Uh, you're, you're starting to get sick and you're continuing to get sick. So, so talk to us about how, um, despite being very fit and living very healthily, that you're, that you're, um, that this tick bite rash that you didn't know was from a tick at the time uh, starts to progressively get worse. Yes. So <clears throat> after that, um, you know, I finished my antibiotics and the, 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 the mark clears all. So I was like, Yay! It was nothing. I'm fine. Two months later, exactly two months later, I wake up with my left ankle where I was bitten, swollen out of nowhere. Me, you know, as a trainer, I work out. I was like, oh, did I? I probably, you know. There's something wrong at the gym, maybe, you know. I was like, um, I put some eyes. I didn't pay more attention to it. I was limping. It was hurting. But, you know, I didn't think anything was wrong, like a huge thing coming. Um, at that time, I was training a group of girls, and I would go and train them like this. And my ankle was hurting and I was in pain and I would still like jump on it and train. And then um, I just kept putting ice and I just saw that my ankle wasn't getting any better. Then the pain started escalating. It was coming up my legs all the way up to my hips. So at night I would like, be in pain and I would turn and turn and but still I'm not thinking nothing you know nothing is wrong with me I'm like this pain maybe sciatica you know not paying any mind to it um then my lymph nodes in my groin area and I'm talking all this is happening in my left leg where I was being <clears throat> the um my lymph nodes on my groin area got very swollen. Uh, I was in pain every day. You know, I was almost in bed almost every day. I would like cry. I still not going to the sick medical advisor or anything like that. There was something that would go away. Then my mom was pushing me like, oh, you are so hard headed. You have to go to the emergency room. I'm like, mom, they're not going to do anything. <clears throat> it will go away. And she was like, no, no, you've been like that for a long time now. Just go. I go to the emergency room where I went when I had the mark. <clears throat> and they run every single test that you can think of. X-ray, MRI, blood, urine, like everything. They come back. The doctor comes back and tells me, we don't find anything wrong with you at all. And then something that surprises me and until the until to, today I think about it like why 
why this doctor decided to do a Lyme test? I have no idea. But he was like, we don't find anything wrong. But I'm just going to do a Lyme test and see. I was like, I am still don't know what is Lyme. I still don't know what ticks are. I don't know anything. I was, I was just there like, okay. I go home. <clears throat> and I think it was two, three days later, I decided to go to New York thinking, you know, oh, they probably know better over there. <laughs> And I go to the emergency room again because I was like feeling really bad. I was like, oh no, like something's wrong and these people couldn't find out. So let me go to New York. So I went to New York to the emergency room. Same thing, they did all tests. And I think these people thought I was crazy and they was like, oh, you don't have anything. You can go home. Uh, I was like, can I at least I get a... a um, crutches because I cannot walk and you know they looked at me like I was crazy like they didn't believe me they were like okay just give her some crutches like she can just go home <clears throat> and um yeah and they gave me crutches I walked out of there limping in pain um I got to my mom's house in New York and the next day they called me from here, from PA, and they told me, oh, hi, um, you have Lyme disease. We are going to send you antibiotic, that's it, just take them. Okay. I'm like, okay. So let's, 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 before Matt takes you through the rest of that portion of your journey, I want to talk to you about what was going on in your life between the time that you had the tick bite and the time that you had now all of the arthritic symptoms that were developing in your leg, right? So you were, you were very fit at that time in your life, right? And as you are now, if anybody goes on to your Instagram, they can see you're very athletic, you're very fit, you're a very healthy person. So you were a very fit person at that time. Um, so my question is, what was going on in that window of time between the time that you were bitten and the time that you had gotten sick that may have been immunocompromising, right? Because it's pretty rare for someone to go from being acutely ill to being chronically ill unless they get bitten by many ticks or they're living in an immunocompromising environment like there's mold in their house or they're living in a high mold environment or perhaps um, there were stresses in your life or, and, and I wanna talk to you about the gym in a minute, but was anything like that going on in your life where there were any emotional stresses or anything particularly challenging going on in your life in that window between the tick bite and the time that you became so sick? Um, can, can you like uh, elaborate a little bit? I don't understand. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out why why somebody so fit may not have been able to manage the tick bite um, bacterium, right? So so let's talk about let's talk about the gym for a minute, right? Because um, because uh, there there is a, there is an upside and a downside to fitness as well, right? Because um, you know one of the things we 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 sometimes talk about on this podcast is exercising to serve you versus exercising for appearance, right? 
or yes. exercising to serve you and sometimes exercising too rigorously, right? And we talk, we talk about the gym culture where people are going to the gym, not because they're looking to engage in activities that are going to serve them. They're going to the gym because they want to look good, right? So, yeah. um, so what kind of exercise were you engaging in in that window of time? And do you think it's possible that you were working out too rigorously and perhaps uh, engaging in immunocompromising exercises? Yes. So, wow, that's very interesting that you talk about this. Um, I like being challenged. Like, I like hit. So, <clears throat> of course, this is something I always talk about. Like, before I know we all, mostly women, get in the gym because we want to look good. But then as, as time went by, and this is something I teach my girls, Fitness is so much more than just looking good. And I learned that, you know, I learned the hard way. So I was before, I would like do crazy things, you know, hit cardio. Like I would jump, I would uh, work my body, I guess, too much um, for nothing, just just to do crazy things. Um, um, I was um, uh, doing too much. I was a little bit more slimmer, too slim. Like I look at pictures back and I, I look at myself, I was too shredded, uh, which is something that's not good for women. We need fat, It's especially for our hormones to work properly. Um, so I think at that time, yes, when I got the Lyme, I, I think my body wasn't as, as strong as it should be on the inside because sometimes we focus on outer strength and outer strength doesn't mean inner strength. And I probably was, you know, um, going through also like marital, uh, financial marital stress um, everything together, you know, it was, uh, I had an older daughter too, who had recently left the house. So, you know, I, I, during that time I did went through like a lot of, um, stress. I was sad. I would cry every day, you know, family stuff. Um, so yes, I think I am positive that stress contributes so much to your our health because um I remember when I got like so so sick I decided to go back to the Dominican Republic and when I went back there like two or three weeks later I was fine because I was just stress-free I guess but that's something then when I came back here I started working more on how to manage stress because stress is huge when we are, you know, dealing with other sickness. So Rose, you know, we here at Tech Bootcamp talk about risk all the time, the risk of Lyme disease, right? And we use, we use generally general Stanley McChrystal's definition for risk, which is threat times vulnerability, right? And, uh, and, and so the reason I'm asking you the questions about all the things that were going on your, in your life is because the threat of you getting Lyme disease increased substantially by you moving into a tick endemic community, right? You were in a place where there were a lot of ticks, so the threat went up, 
but you probably would have been fine had you not also had the vulnerability. Because in most cases, when people are bitten by ticks, their body is able to manage the, the, the bacteria, except if there is some vulnerabilities. And it sounds to me like you were both physically and emotionally vulnerable at the time that you were, um, at the time that you were, uh, you were bitten by the tick. You were engaging in, um, you know, high intensity interval training, which is, which is, we do know um, is going to reduce your T cell count and it is going to be uh, physically stressful. You had, uh, you had just moved from one place to another and there are always gonna be stresses adjusting to a new environment, even though it was something you wanted to do for your family. M moves are, 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 are going to be stressful. It's just a natural part of it, especially for a mom who's now moving all of her children to another community. Um, and trying to, you know, make sure that there's a safe environment for, for uh, you know, her family. Uh, you had the natural stresses of managing a child who has, has, uh, has a medical disability. And now, of course, we now have another piece of this, which is you have an older child who is now, you know, creating the stresses that children often create for us, right? And all that comes together at the same time that you suffer the tick bite, and now you become very sick, right? And you go from being a, you know, a high intensity interval training coach to now having swollen ankles, swollen knees, swollen legs, swollen lymph nodes, needing crutches to walk from place to place to get from place to place, right? That's how extreme you, you, you go in a two month window. Yes. Yes. Two months. Um, and then um, <clears throat> my health just started declining I had to stop working out because the fatigue was insane like so, so before you go there I just want to talk about one more thing with you uh because Matt is going to take you through that part of your journey let's talk about now um you know fitness right I mean you're a fitness professional right and you were somebody who was who was um overly invested in in a certain fitness protocol, HIT, high intensity interval training. Um, and, and one of the things we also, also like to talk about here on Tick Boot Camp is the inverted U, where too much of a good thing can be bad, right? Where, where we, we do something in it and it gives us this benefit. And then it sort of plateaus for a while. And then when we get too extreme, and again, you, you did, you know, did admit to us that you were a little too extreme, you were a little too shredded, you were, you know, you were more interested in how you looked on the outside rather than you feeling the inside. And then it starts to hurt us, right? And that's why it becomes that inverted U where we're going down, right? So it's important, it's important for us to have this conversation on this podcast because we learned from Dr. Joseph Biroscano that if you do not move, you will not heal from Lyme disease. That's one of the things that you know he he observed very early on. And then we, of course, we we've seen this, we've seen this repeatedly since we we learned that or we were taught that by Dr. Biroscano. But of course, that movement has to have balance, it has to be movement that serves you not movement that is too extreme. So talk to us about that as a fitness professional and how, you know, that was unfortunately a painful lesson you had to learn on this journey. Yes, yes. It, it I mean, yes, it was painful. Imagine, you know, like you said, you are so active and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you need to stay still. You can't move. Um, and you know, the way you put it now, it just comes to my mind, like everything always happened for a reason. And, you know, maybe it was God telling me, okay, girl, you need to slow down. And, um, I did, I, I, you know, I started to, to transform my thought into 
yes, working now is good. But like you said, we can like, and means I preach this to my girls now all the time. Too much of something, even water, too much water. It's bad for you. So balance is key. And I learned, you know, now, you know, I work out once a week or twice and I listen to my body if I'm, you know, feel sore or tired. I don't, and I'm doing better than ever. Like working out once or twice a week, low impact movement with weights, you know, nothing crazy, no more crazy, <laughs> no more crazy workouts. And um, I just feel uh, the difference is huge. So Rose, what I'm seeing here is you were extremely sick within a two month window. You were basically unable to walk. You go to the hospital and they tell you you're totally fine, go home, right? Before one week later when you get the phone call about Lyme disease. And too many of us have been there. I mean, I, I have been there as well. You go to the hospital with debilitating symptoms. And in your case, they did blood work. They did an x-ray, they did a CAT scan, every single test they can possibly think of. And they said to you, Rose, you're okay, go home and you're gonna get better. I mean, did you actually believe them? Because some of this is such a, it messes with your mind when you have medical professionals telling you one thing that so drastically conflicts with how you feel. So how did you feel when you left the hospital? Were you doubting if you were really sick or were you like, these guys are idiots, I have to find out what's going on here? So unfortunately, I know how the health system works nowadays. Um, you know, it's not good <laughs> um, because of my trajectory with my daughter with diabetes. Like um, I learned so much. So of course, I did not believe them. And I just started doing my own search. So I'm like, OK, I left went home and when they told me it was Lyme so which it was thank God I thank God it was good because imagine me going home oh you're fine you don't have anything okay so now what am I going to do I don't even have a diagnosis but thank God I had one so now I know to do um to just do my own thing um, unfortunately, that's uh, what a lot of us had to do and just become my own doctor. And I just started learning what was Lyme, first of all, because that was, I had no idea. So that was my first thing to learn about Lyme disease. And then I went on to learn all this different type of um, natural cures. So Rose, you told Rich that you didn't really know what Lyme was before getting diagnosed. So a week after leaving the hospital, you get the phone call from the ER. They tell you you have Lyme disease. They say we're giving you 21 days of doxycycline and you're going to get better. Did you believe that? And when you started to research Lyme disease after getting the diagnosis, did your views change? Um, I did kind of believe them at first. I'm like, um, okay. Um, but then when I started searching, I was like, oh, okay, no, this is not good. This is not going to, you know, this is not going to do it. This is not going to cut it. But, you know, I kept, uh, then I, I joined a lot of Facebook Lime group and a lot of people, you know, were saying, just take the doxy, but it's not going to be enough. They should give you more. But then I asked for more, you know how it is. They're not going to give you more. Um, I did take them and I did feel better when I took them. 
for that period of time. But then I learned that it's because the, the bacteria uh, produces um, some type of protection and they hide during that time. And I guess that's what they did because after I took the antibiotics, um, like a few days later, then I started getting sick again. And I think you were quoted as saying shortly after being done with the antibiotics, the nightmare began, correct? And that, that was your experience? Yes. So you had this temporary relief. You thought, wow, maybe the doctors were right. Maybe I am better. And then in the back of your mind, you knew what you were researching and you kind of were doubting it, right? And then all of a sudden, a few days later, it hits. So walk us through this crash again after the antibiotics. What symptoms came back and did you develop any new symptoms? Um. I started to, yes, I did develop new symptoms. The pain in the ankle was gone. It never came back, never got swollen again. Uh, but my leg was starting to hurt again. Then I was getting this pressure behind my forehead. Then my back was hurting, like, I don't, not pain, it was like burning. Like, I don't know how to explain that feeling. It's just horrible. Um, then I started to have stomach issue. Like I wasn't, like, I felt like I had a monster inside my stomach. I had a report of how my stomach sound is so scary. I would literally sit in my bed and just sit there and cry and, 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 just waiting for my stomach to like something feel better go away but it just this stomach pain um nauseous you know i wasn't eating i was having insomnia because of of course all this pain going through my body i wasn't able to sleep well um i started getting depressed, anxiety, you know, thoughts of, I don't want to be alive anymore. This is not life. Um, yeah, trying to see what other symptoms, but those were like the most crazy symptoms I had. Well, that, that's certainly a, a lot of symptoms, right? I mean, so you went from being this healthy athletic person to getting your, your leg was hurting, it was swollen, you couldn't walk, then developing all these new symptoms that were far more than just leg-driven symptoms, right? This is when I, I believe the chronic illness part of Lyme disease kicked in for you, right? Your body just couldn't take it anymore and your immune system shut down and all of these pathogens in your body came out and made you very, very sick, right? So- what did you do? I mean, now you're this sick. It must have been scary. Did you go back to the hospital? Did you contact your doctors? I mean, the symptoms are different than what you had before with Lyme, right? With the with the leg pain, but it shortly after the antibiotics. So what do you do and what did the doctors say? Yes. Um, I did not went back to my doctor um, at that time. Um, because of all the things that I was learning, you know, about it, um, I knew that they were not going to do anything. So why waste my time going to them? 
uh, especially he felt me the first time. Like he's a doctor, he and PA, he shouldn't know better about that bull eyes rash. Like other doctors in New York saw it, like a friend of mine, she's a doctor over there. And she was like, oh my God, that is so clear. I don't know how he could have missed it. I was angry. I was like mad at him. I mean, I, until now, I haven't been, I haven't gone back to my doctor. Um, I stay away from them because I felt like they were gonna, they were not gonna help. So I just started doing my own stuff, searching, learning, um, and I came across a lot of people saying to go to a um, line. Lyme disease, Lyme disease literally, like someone. Oh, a Lyme literate medical doctor, LLMD, right? Yes, LLMD, yes, to search for one um, a doctor that specializes in Lyme. So I did, I found one here in, uh, in PA. Uh, I went to see him. Um, they did some tests with like a machine that uh, does electrical pulses to you. And then, you know, they came up with like, I have um, some mold and, you know, the bacteria, Vartonella, uh, a lot of like a list of things that I had. And then he came up with a regimen of um, herbal medicines. So for each thing that I had, I had to buy a kit of herbal medicine to treat it. I started, I think I did too. Um, but um, I wasn't feeling any better and it's okay because they say before you get better, you're gonna feel worse, I guess. But then um, I also couldn't afford it. So I had to stop. I stopped just taking all those stuff. I stopped going over there too. And then um, I um, decided to go to the Dominican Republic. Hey, Rose, before you go to the Dominican Republic, when you went to this, this Lyme litter doctor in Pennsylvania and he did this testing, it sounds like, was this muscle testing? Is that Was that the name of the testing that he did, you know? You know, what kind of test? You said he put like things on your on your skin, right? What, what yes. was the testing like that he, he performed to identify that you had Bartonella in addition to Lyme disease and you had mold? You know, what was that testing he did for you? Is it a raffle machine? No. Mm, I don't think it was muscle. Uh, like energy I testing, muscle testing? Um, I, it has to do with your energy, yes, because he would put like something electrical here in my fingers, and then that would transmit to into the machine. So I remember posting something on Facebook um, about it. I forgot the name of the machine, and then I was like, I can't believe this machine can tell a doctor that you have all this stuff by just touching my body in this in this case with my finger 
with an electrical thing and then that will transfer to into electricity and if it goes up or down whatever it will let you know what you have so a lot of people were like oh yes it works because I was a little skeptical like how would that you know tell him so much info <laughs> do you recall anything else that popped it was it was Lyme disease Bartonella and mold were there any other things that came up positive during this test parasites um what else parasites mold um yeah that's all i can recall for now and the herbal medicine he gave you for each of these you started taking you got a little bit worse which was to be expected but then you discontinued it you stopped it because you couldn't afford it and then you decided to go to the dominican republic correct Yes. Okay. So at this point, it sounds like you're still pretty sick and probably more sick because of the herbs that you were on from the herxing from it. And now you go down to the Dominican Republic. So walk us through, did you go to the Dominican Republic because it would be more cost effective and cheaper to treat there? What was your thought process about going to the DR and leaving Pennsylvania? Yes. So I have an aunt over there and she's a doctor. Um, uh, so, you know, she have access to certain things like IV antibiotic, which was something I heard a lot of people used and got better. Although we know antibiotics, you know, can is contradicted because they could be good or also bad for you. But I was like, I, I, felt, I was feeling so sick. I was like almost couldn't get up from my bed. Uh, I said I had to do something. So I did went to the Dominican Republic because, you know, I was going to be, of course, cheaper. And then over here, I couldn't find anywhere where I could do like IV antibiotics. I did find a place where I could do um, IV therapy with vitamins, but they were extremely expensive. Like only one of them was $250. Um, so I go to the Dominican Republic. My aunt. Uh, I saw, I'm sorry, I saw one of the best um, doctor, Jesus, forgot his, um, he's in, um, no. Is he in New York? No, he's in doctor in the Dominican Republic that specializes. Um, Is he like a naturopathic doctor in the DR? No. Um, you know what's the name of the other doctor when we have like Lyme, they tell you to go see? Oh, infectious disease. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is a infectious disease in the American public. He's very like famous, like top doctor, very good. So my aunt gets me a, a, an appointment with him. Same day I arrive, we just go over there. And when I tell him everything about it, um, he just told my aunt, okay, first check her heart to see if she will be, will be able to tolerate the IV antibiotics. And then gave her, um, told me to take um, some pills to be able to sleep and then some other pills to be able to control the body ache. 
And then he says, you know, this is something that has no cure. So she, you, she will just have to find things to be able to manage it. Like taking pills to sleep, taking pills for pain and things like that. I'm like, okay. So we checked my heart. My heart was in perfect condition. Thank God it was good. So my aunt started the IV antibiotics. And one, two, two weeks, I came back to life. It was, I'm like, oh, miracle, I thought. Uh, she also did um, IV um, with vitamin C and B-complex IV as well. I was there for three weeks. And um, I just started feeling better. I went, I, I love the sun. I took a lot of sun, you know, walk in the beach. And um, I thought I was cured. Came so you back. felt you felt 100% normal again at this point. And you were fully recovered temporarily after the IV antibiotics. Yes. And now this is despite the fact that the infectious disease doctor was telling your aunt, hey, look, this is not something easy. It's something that we're going to have to manage. It can't really be cured. But now here you are thinking you are cured, right? So there's sort of a conflict here already, right? Yes. And do you recall the type of IV antibiotic it was? Was it Rocephin? Was it, you know, the I think Ceftriaxone, Ceftriaxone is the, the generic name? Or, you know, do you recall any, any of the details about the IVs? I don't. No. And it was just a few weeks, though, before you started to feel better. Yes, like two weeks. Now, did your so your aunt is a was a is a doctor in the DR and she was consulting with an infectious disease doctor, correct? Yes. When you left and you were feeling really well, what was the information given to you by your aunt and the infectious disease doctor? Were they telling you, oh, maybe you are cured, maybe we were wrong, or were they cautioning you saying, Hey, look, you may get sick again? You know, what was the message you were being given before you left to come back to Pennsylvania? So by the doctor, none. I mean, he told her, oh, let me know how it goes. We did tell him, but he never got back to us. He didn't. So from him, we didn't hear, we don't, we didn't hear anything from him. Um, my aunt, this is to her and for them over there too, is they have no idea. So, you know, it's um sad and I know many of us go through this with family especially if they don't know um most some people in my family uh started saying that I was exaggerating that I wasn't sick um I, that I just wanted my husband to send me here to the ER that I just wanted to come the things I heard it, it was just insane that it was mental. Oh, you have to, you have to stop thinking about that, that you're sick. Um, they will also tell me, oh, you have no faith. You don't believe in Jesus. You are healed already. You, 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 you shouldn't think about that. You are healed. He healed you already. Um, where's your faith? And of course, all this thing will make me even more sick. So all this negative energy and people around you, friends, family, 
saying that it's all in your head, you're healed already, you don't have enough faith in Jesus. And all of that's taking a toll on you emotionally, which in turn is weakening your immune system, right? So it's 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 creating mental anguish. You're now becoming stressed because you're doubting yourself. People that you love and trust are saying these negative things to you, and it's making you sicker on top of being sick with Lyme disease, Bartonella, mold illness, and parasites, correct? Yes. So you were being gaslit, essentially. Yes. So, you know, I, I hate to ask the question, but you come back from the DR and you're, you're in your mind, cured, right? You're feeling better. What happens next? I mean, it's, unfortunately, I don't think that lasts, right? Yes, no. So I lasted um, about five months that, I, you know, I was feeling a lot better. And then again, um, I must say a stress contributed to this, to me getting like more sick again. So again, and then the winter, which I'm now like a little, cause I've been feeling like 90%, but winter is coming soon. So I don't know. I, I hope I don't crash again, but um, yes, at that time, when I come back from DR, five months, I'm doing good. Then winter is coming in i started to getting sick again but rose before winter were you starting to engage in the same activities as before you were sick meaning were you over exercising again were you overexerting yourself were you putting a lot of stress on your body and on your mind were you doing things that you think were now looking back were potentially unhealthy and contributed to the symptoms returning Yes, since I thought I was cured and I was fine, I went back to the gym and I was, you know, working out again a little bit too much. And um, yeah, because I thought I was fine. Um, well, I was trying to push my body because the fatigue that I was feeling like I would start working out and then out of, I would feel so much out of breath. So I was trying to push my body and like, you know, I would just say in my mind, you can overcome this, just do a little bit more so you can overcome the fatigue. So mind over matter, you were trying to say, I can push through this and I can break the fatigue, but the fatigue was a warning sign from your body saying, hey, something's going on here, right? So that was a sign, but you were trying to push through it and fight through it thinking you were healed. Yes, yes. So now winter's approaching, you're starting to not feel good again. What symptoms start to return, you know, in the short term? And then, and then what symptoms return in the long term? Um, I started getting the same symptoms again, like the head pressure, the back pain, um, my stomach again, insomnia, not sleeping well. Um... Yeah, just same symptoms. Rose, give us uh, just for a timeline here. So, right, so you were 39 when you first got bit and diagnosed. How long ago was that when you were first bit? How many years ago was that? Um, two years. Okay, so that was two years ago. So now when we're talking about the winter, are we talking about this last winter that just passed? or the, So the winter of 2021 into 2022? Is that what the winter we're talking about? Yes, the one okay. that, yes. So it's, it was last summer, you're in the DR, you come back, you, you think you're cured, winter approaches this past winter, and now you're getting sick again. So we're pretty much, you know, almost into 2022, the current year. 
when you get sick again, it sounds like knowing you, if I had to guess, you did not go to a doctor, but you went to Dr. Google again, which has, you know, a ton of great information and consulting other people on social media that have, have Lyme disease. You know, what are your next steps now to start to address your symptoms as they're coming back this past winter? So I um, started again, like you said, researching. So I went into this um, protocol thing. I started doing um, coffee enemas. I started to do, uh, I started to drink this, this doctor from uh, Venezuela that I found on Instagram that a, a friend referred me to. So I found a protocol he has for parasites, which is raw carrots, juice, um, juicing raw carrots, copras, and drinking that with five, um, drops of um, oil of oregano. So eight ounce cup carrot juice with five drops of oil of oregano on an empty stomach every morning. After that, I would do coffee enemas. Then I was doing sauna, red light ther therapy. Uh, I was, I started doing that every day. Uh, I saw a lot of things coming out of my body. Um, weird stuff. Then um, I started to feel a little bit better, but then I also decided to go back to the Dominican Republic again. <laughs> and this is over the winter or are we now? This was back in, um, March of this year. Yes. Okay. So you were doing some stuff over the winter. You were doing parasite cleanses. You were doing some coffee enemas. You felt a little bit better. You were passing all kinds of weird stuff, you know, and you're like, all right, I'm going to go back to the DR because I I'm really not making the progress I want to make. And that was March, correct? Yes. In March. Okay. So mm -hmm. now when you go back to the DR, what, what are you doing there differently now this time? Yes. So I went back and I was there for two months. Um, but this time I was like, I'm not doing IV antibiotics. Um, I started to do the uh, vitamin C and the B complex IV still. And then I was introduced to chlorodioxide. And um, I started doing that therapy there. And then since then I came back and um, I have been fine. Rose, what is chlorodioxide? So I guess, first of all, what is it? And second, how do you administer it? How do you take that treatment? Um, um, so uh, I should have. No, you're good. Even if you could just describe for us how you, you know, how you take it. Just so our listeners know, like, is it, is it oral? Yeah. Is it IV? Is it, is it, uh, you know, an enema? Chlorodioxide. Um, it's not like the Clorox that we clean with. It has nothing to do with that type of chlorodioxide. This is a, um, one of those natural cures <laughs> that, um, 
are out there that a lot of people don't know and, you know, kind of be afraid of by just by hearing the name. But, you know, I was like, I have nothing to lose. I am, I, I just, I, I need to do something. And, you know, it's, this thing will, it will either kill me or cure me. <laughs> so it's something, it comes in a bottle, plastic bottle. It's very yellow. Um, and the way it's taken, you get one liter of water. And then you're going to get 20 ml of the chlorodioxide. And you're going to put that little cup into the one liter of water. And then you're going to drink that during the day. Um, you can turn it into eight part or 10 parts. You divide them. I did my, I was taking it into eight parts. So I wake up, <clears throat> I'll take it. Then I'll wait one hour to take the other uh, water. Um, this you take every hour. If you eat, you have to wait one hour because this only works, you know, why if you eat something, especially something high in antioxidants like orange or lime, it will stop the Jesus. Um, it, it'll it will, stop it from being as effective, right? Your body, yes. So they tell you not to take any of those things during. And if you are to wait one hour and then you continue taking that. So I was doing that like every day. And then I also was doing, I also did it through uh, Enema because they also said you could do that through enema. So same, uh, this, it was one liter of water and then 10 ml of the chlorodioxide. And I would put that into my enema bag. And I was doing that too, because I just wanted to get, you know, faster results. And that's one of the way to get faster results because they say it's going straight into your liver. Um, this, yes. it's not like this was your game changer, correct? Yes. So yes. is it also called, is it also called chlorine dioxide? Cause I'm just kind of doing some Googling here as we're talking. Is it, so I think you call the Clorox dioxide. Is it also called chlorine dioxide or is that something else? Do you know? Um, I'll tell you right now, chlorine. Yeah, I found some hits on chlorine dioxide with Lyme disease, but I just don't know if that's a different treatment or if it's just another name for it. CBS. That's C C uh, B B as in boy CBS. CBS. That's um the um how do you say that the that, abbreviation that most of them use CBS. Gotcha. So that, is that C as in Charlie B as in boy S. C as in Charlie, D as in David, and S. Okay, gotcha. I, I missed it. So D, thank you. C, D, S. My bad on that one. So yeah. how quickly did you start to feel better, Rose, after starting this Clorox, this Clorox dioxide or the CDS? Yes. So that was like um, three weeks. Three weeks later, I, you know, I just, well, one thing you need, um, 
you need to be aware of is uh, how they call first when you start taking this, you're going to get detox. Um, like a Herxheimer reaction, so you feel really, really bad almost. Yes. So okay. having like yes, I was having migraines. Um, a lot of people get like more, a lot more symptoms, but um, I guess my body wasn't as um toxic. I think the more toxic your body is, the more you know worse symptoms you might get. Um, my word just I was having pain at the bottom of my feet and migraine headaches, but then they went away too. So this was in March. It took a few weeks for you to get better. When did you stop taking it? I took it for um so I started March, three weeks. Then um I was there for two months. So I was there for March, April. And I stopped when I came back here in and May. So really, since the beginning of the summer, it sounds like you've been well. Have, do you feel like you've reached remission? Are you symptom-free? Or are you currently doing anything now to treat? But I still, this is something that I still keep doing no matter why. I still keep doing my coffee enemas. I still keep using the sauna. I use red light therapy. But you feel good. So you're symptom free, but you're doing these things for maintenance to make sure you, you stay good, right? Oh, yes, yes. Just for maintenance. Yes, but I, yes, I'm feeling like 95%. Like I'm back to the gym, working out too. Um, not as crazy as before. Now I listen to my body. You know, I just work out one or twice a week and um, do low impact, you know, weights lifting. Well, this comes back to the theme you and Richard talking about earlier, where you said balance is key, right? So now that you're better and you've reached remission, you're still maintaining balance in your life so you don't get sick again and have another relapse. So you're doing all these things to, to maintain your health and you're balancing what you're doing in your life, like, like exercise and stress to stay healthy, right? So give us an idea of how your life is different now in regards to exercise, diet, family life, stress, et cetera, so you can maintain this level of health that you've achieved after doing all this treatment for Lyme disease? Yes. Um, so now um, I, you know, wake up. Um, thank God I'm not feeling as tired and drained. I'm, I'm, I'm also able to sleep a lot better. I found this really good magnesium that is helping me tons too. Because that was one of the things that was still like there that I wasn't, able to achieve my insomnia but um it's been now four weeks since i started this magnesium and i'm um, sleeping a lot better so i can wake up with more energy uh you know eating uh raw food healthy food grass-fed food um just a lot of fruits vegetable juicing um I go to the gym, like I said, one or twice a week. Um, not doing hit anymore, and don't do like excessive cardio. Um, I'm just listening to my body, uh, trying to manage stress, 
you know, um, always putting God first, reading my Bible, meditation, go outside, grounding, getting the sun as much as I can, um, listening to gospel music. Um, what else? And so let's, let's let's focus on this transformation in a little bit more detail uh, because this is this is a, a really powerful story that you're telling, right? You were you were um, a mom who went through a transformation when her daughter became sick, uh, and you became someone who became a health and fitness and nutrition enthusiast, so that you could make sure that your daughter was going to have as healthy a life as she could have, and you wanted to model that for her by making those changes in your life. Yeah. Well, then what happened is you got a little too wrapped up in the fitness culture, uh, in the gym culture, and you were more interested in how you looked than how you felt, right? And you were really, the, the, the sense that you, you were using were your eyes rather than how you felt, right? It was, and, and that, was, that was really the biggest transformation for you, right? And, and, and of course, you've now brought that into not only your own life, but in the life of the people that you're coaching and training, and you're helping them to, again, go back to use the term that Matt reminded you of, which is balance is the key, that you got into balance, and now you're coaching people and helping people to make sure that their lives are in balance as well. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, that's something that I talked to about in... Um, our program fitness program is how important balance is and um like i also mentioned before uh we have to be consistent in things so if you want to become healthier you know you start a protocol um you start a health a meal plan you start a workout plan you have to be consistent with that. You cannot just do it for a week or two and then expect your life, you know, to change automatically. So for me, um, I guess, you know, like a lot of people say uh, when they get cancer, um, that cancer is, is not the a disease. It's actually your body telling you, there's something wrong. Do something. Is your body crying for help? So um, I kind of see this whole Lyme situation um, happening with me as, and it could be also with any of us, is our body telling us something it's not right. Because like you said, a lot of people are, you know, get bitten and their body's able to fight Um the the disease really well and then some of us don't so for me it was probably that I was overworking myself um trying to achieve um this body image that we all get you know spam in IG and is not realistic especially those people that we see with this type of body they do it to compete and what they go through it's very extreme and it's not sustainable so they do it for you know a few uh weeks to go into competition but then 
they go back to their normal life because it's not sustainable. So something that we teach in our fitness program, it's something sustainable, something, a lifestyle that you can, you know, do it automatically, wake up, you know, you eat healthy. Of course, balance. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, maybe once a month you go out to eat um, or you eat, you know, pizza and ice cream, but don't do it every day. Because like I said before, what you do consistently, if you eat outside, if you eat back consistently, then it's going to show in your body. But if you maintain a lifestyle, you want to be healthy, you know, into whatever years you have left to live. And that's, that's really important. And another thing is we should focus and, you know, after having Lyme, I focus so much on feeling healthy and being healthy than just having a nice body because what's the point of having a nice body but feeling sick, not feeling energized and not thriving? Like, there's no point to that. So I work out now. I work out to have strong heart, to have strong bones when I get older, to have good stamina, to feel uh, energized, to feel healthy, to feel good. That's what I focus on now. So now let's talk about the last thing we talk about with everyone on the Think Bootcamp podcast. Um, you're a mom. You have, uh, you have several children who I know are the, uh, the, 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 the apple of your eye. And we have the same number of children. Another one of the things you and I have in common as parents of four children. Uh, so I'm going to pick out one of your children. Um, if one of your children came walking into the room where you're sitting right now, right after the podcast, uh, after they had been in your backyard, looking at nature and enjoying the deer, but came in with a tick biting them, what would you do so that they wouldn't have to go on the same journey that you've been on? Jesus, I'm not going to lie. I would totally panic and think, you know, the worst like, I mean, just right now, like just thinking about it and imagine that situation is like, oh Lord. But um, I now have a, a, a tick removal thing <laughs> that I didn't have before. So first thing I would do, I will remove the tick. I'll put it in a bag and I'll send it to a lab to be tested. Meanwhile, I will give them... um. I would put them on a protocol. <laughs> I would start coffee enemas. I would start giving them uh, oil of oregano and orange juice. Um, kids can also take uh, chlorodioxide. So I would definitely start giving them that because that's uh, something that can kill a lot of bacteria in the body. And um, that's pretty much what I would do and wait for the results. and just pretty much do what I do. All right. Rose, we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your really busy schedule, a busy fitness professional and mother of four. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story with those of us here at Take Boot Camp. Thank you. And I really, really hope this can help someone out there, like really. And if you have any questions, please do not hesitate. You can contact me and I can guide you through whatever question you have. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Rosmales Estrella.
To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Rose, please visit our Instagram page at R underscore E-S-T-R-E-L-L-A underscore. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of our Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, Tick Bootcamp is created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been provided to us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at tickbootcamp.com to view our blueprint. Please note, we would appreciate any input or any improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank your community for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews you're kind enough to leave us. Thank you, as always, for listening.